The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. The Eye on College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike Subs, Jersey Mike's a sub above. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, please do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. And the only place to start, I think, is with the Atlantic Sun Tournament title game where the Kennesaw State Usses beat the Liberty Thems 67-66 on Sunday afternoon. So Kennesaw State is in the NCAA tournament at the Division One level for the first time in school history. Went one in 28 three seasons ago. Now they're in the big dance, so perhaps there is hope for Louisville after all. Deadleg, tell us what we need to know about the us's beating the thems to advance to the 2023 NCAA tournament. You know what, Nada? If you got it, I think we got a little audio video if you're watching live on YouTube. Smash the like button. That's another reminder. Get in there, smash that like button. Nada, you got this? Cue it up. This is how it went down on Sunday afternoon. Burden. He does. Tap to red. That's it. It's over. Kennesaw State wins the A-Sun Championship. And they're going to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history. Trivia time. Okay. What year did Kennesaw State go D1? 2005-2006. He's on it. My man was all in that Wikipedia page by 4 o'clock this afternoon. Trivia time. Reverse trivia time. Who did Amir Abdurrahim replace as Kennesaw State? Al Skinner, you don't even need to ask. (laughs) Al Skinner. Al Skinner was there. This is a really, really good story. And of course, we could only start with this game. Listen, Nada was there in person, saw the the fighting camels upset in advance into the title game Sunday in the Big South, only for Campbell to blow 15-point lead. It was a big one. It's unfortunate. 
but UNC Asheville was by far the best program in that conference this season. Congrats to Mike Morrell. We've actually got a few auto bids. So the podcast came desperately close to some, some real bad vibes here, some down bad vibes, but not Kennesaw State. More of us than there are of them. I have not seen an update from that from the Kennesaw. Where is this tweet? Did you check in in the past hour? Because I haven't. I haven't I seen have. a more of us tweet from Kennesaw State Athletics. I see hashtag Hootie Who, which I love, by the way. Hootie Hootie who? Who. <laughs> hashtag Hootie Who. You know, they had like six meetings before they finally decided on Hootie Who. I love Hootie Who. <laughs> hashtag Hootie Who. And I've seen hashtag Bone. I saw that. <laughs> is that, is that for us or does that mean something else? Uh, no, that's, that's exactly what we want it to mean. I don't even because sometimes people have like words and it stands for something. It's like, um, I don't know, uh, build, build, organize. Um, I don't, you get it. You get what I'm trying to say. Like, bone could like keep going, build, build. Let's see, this makes something up for bone, build, organize. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, never quit. Uh, well, well, you need a cue in there. That's two words. Okay. Build, organize, <laughs> nourish. Okay, sure. And electrify. Bone. <laughs> Build, organize, nourish, electrify. Bone. So sometimes they, they, they hashtag things and it's like, oh, yeah, bone stands for build, organize, um, nourish, nourish, and electrify. So it might be something like that. In Just fact, opening up the chest and digging for any word in there, and you come up. I with couldn't nourish. think of a word that starts with "in." <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, Kennesaw State. It's a wonderful story. First time dancer. We get this almost every single season. You get it, and the and the list is shrinking. But you get Kennesaw State into the field for the first time. Amira Dua Rahim, as you mentioned, one in twenty-eight, just three seasons ago in his first season there, and now. They win the A-Sun. That's an awesome, awesome deal. More of us than there are of them. Sex remains undefeated. And us got the win. We had to start with that, of course. But with that behind us, we look forward to seeing. I'm going to say, so let me see this right now. Let me check. I'm going to say Kennesaw State blindly. I'm going to say that's a 15 seed. Let me check real quick before we move on to, uh, to talking Aqua here. Uh, Kennesaw State. Yeah, yeah, 15 probably. I don't know. It's had a, it's had a really, really good season. Uh, coming off 15-3 in the A-Sun and played Florida tough on the road, played VCU tough on the road, played San Diego State not tough on the road, and actually lost by 14 at Indiana. So it has actually played competitively against Power 5 teams. Uh, we look forward to seeing where the Owls, hooty who, two Hootie Owls, who? two of the four Owls are going to be are going to be flying into the bracket because FAU is a lock. It's an it's a lock at this point. It's it's going into the CUSA tournament uh, with three losses. Temple going to need a little bit of magic there, and Rice in the same conference as FAU obviously would also need to win the auto bid. But two out of four owls ain't that bad. Where do you want to start elsewhere? Well, first, first for, pe- for people who didn't watch the game, like I oh, started okay. to get a little nervous um, because Kennesaw State was up seven with two fifty four to go. Right? Yeah. It seemed like okay, this is in control more of us, but then Liberty tied it with a Colin Porter three with 24 seconds left. Then Terrell Burden got fouled with less than a second left on a drive, made the first free throw to break the tie, missed the second game over. Um, but I was watching it. I knew that I knew Liberty wasn't going to, wasn't going to be able to win the game because Liberty has no experience coming from behind. 
Okay. Uh, congrats are in order then to uh, Southeast Missouri State with its second bid ever to the NCAA tournament. The first one coming in 2000 is a D1 team for the past three decades. Drake, first university ever named after a Seinfeld skit, is, uh, is on its way to the NCAA tournament. Fairly Dickinson is going because Merrimack, which is technically still alive, is not eligible. Fairly Dickinson won its semifinal. So Fairly Dickinson, which will play for the conference tournament on Tuesday at Merrimack, is getting the auto bid in the USC Asheville those are your five auto bids. I couldn't possibly have followed up what you just said. Hootie hoo! Yeah, exactly. Hootie hoo! In fact, I think. Hootie hoo! Let's move on. This yeah. weekend's. We're going to television in two days. Just as a reminder. Should I should I bring back that joke? <laughs> We'd like to be invited back, sir. How lame is it that I used two minutes to just set that up? And yeah. <laughs> just- I was ready to transition right to UCLA. You're like, actually, let me read the play-by-play here as I, as I, as I tee this thing up. Two minutes to set up a, a, a joke that just fell flat. Tough stuff. I should have learned from Chris Rock last night. This weekend's game with the two highest-ranked teams playing each other. It's Arizona at UCLA. We'll get into that next, but first, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. So this weekend's game with the two highest-ranked teams playing each other, Arizona at UCLA. Bruins in a ranked fourth in the AP poll. Wildcats eighth in the AP poll. Top 10 matchup in prime time on Saturday night. Arizona uh, jumped to a 15-4 to lead right out of the gate. Bruins got off to a slow start. But UCLA outscored Arizona 78-58 over the final 34 minutes to win 82-73 inside Pauley Pavilion. So King Cronin, a.k.a. greatest coach in UCLA history, uh, has now won his first Pac-12 title by a full four games. I've moved UCLA up to number two in the CBS Sports Top 25 and one. I would have the Bruins as a projected one seed right now. Dead leg, do you believe the Bruins deserve to be projected as a number one seed heading into the Pac-12 tournament? Because as of this moment, our colleague and friend Jerry Palm he disagrees. He still has UCLA as a two. Do you have the data available? Because we're going to agree going in. Kansas, it's not, a, it's not a competition. Kansas is a one seed. Houston, not a competition right now. Houston, clearly a one seed. Alabama, also there as of now. Bama, of course, lost at AM and probably going to be a one seed no matter what. Although, if it lost its first SEC tournament game, let's circle back. So, that being said, do you have the comparatives right now 
between Purdue and UCLA in front of you to help the listener also decide as they check out this. Segment. Yeah, let me run you through some of it. Now, obviously, this is um, you can pull this data in a million different directions and focus in on what you focus in on. I'll just provide you what I tend to care about most. Um, I'm with you. There should there's really no debate right now that Houston and Kansas should be number one seed. So let's just take them and set them to the side and say that we've got two more spots for, I think, really, at this point, three teams. Um, now, I'm not saying nobody else can get there, although I'm right now it's not there. Yeah, but right now it's not really debatable. It, right. It's, it's it, the, the top five teams in the country as it pertains to resume. Houston, Kansas, UCLA, Alabama, Purdue in some order. So UCLA right now is 16 and four in the first two quadrants. Eight of those wins are quadrant one wins, and they have zero losses outside of quadrant one. So all of UCLA losses are quad one losses. They have eight quadrant one wins. They're literally the only team in the country with at least eight quadrant one wins and fewer than five total losses. Really, they're the only t- team in the country with at least five quadrant one wins and fewer than five total losses. So that's UCLA. Alabama is 16 and five in the first two quadrants. So same number of wins, but one more loss. They have one more quadrant one win than UCLA. They have nine as opposed to eight. And they, like UCLA, also have zero losses outside of quadrant one. Purdue, 16 and five in the first two quadrants. These are very similar, you're seeing. Um, uh, same number of wins as UCLA in the first two quadrants and Alabama, one more loss than UCLA, same number of losses as Alabama. They, just like Alabama, have nine quadrant one wins, so one more than UCLA. Uh, but this is the one team out of the ones we're talking about um, that has a loss outside of quadrant one. They have a quadrant two loss to Rutgers. Now, Houston has a quadrant three loss to Temple, but it's just a two-loss team, and we're not considering them right now. So of UCLA, Alabama, Purdue, Alabama and Purdue each have one more quadrant one win. UCLA has one fewer loss, and Purdue is the only one out of that group with a loss outside of quadrant one. I acknowledge you can you – can, it's debatable, but I think I would have UCLA as a one, Alabama as a one to go with Houston – and Kansas and Purdue right now would be a two seed for me, the best two seed. I would go right now, Sunday, Sunday night. I would go in this order. I would go Kansas as the number one overall seed. I would go Houston two. I would go Alabama three. Now let me just read back why I'm going to do this. So what you just said here, I'm just going to do the very vitals at the top. UCLA is 16 and four in the top two quadrants, eight and four quad one. Bama 16 and two. Is that right? That's how I typed as you were going. Is that right? 16 and 2 in the top two quadrants for Bama? Alabama 16 and 5. 16 and 5. Sorry about that. 16 and 5 in top two quadrants. That's right. 9 and 5 in quad one. It was 16 and 5 in the top two quadrants and 9 and 4 in quad one. But it is the only one of those three that has a quad two loss, correct? Yes, you're basically repeating everything. I'm just making sure. And people listen, they're (laughs) trying to keep up with this as well. So, okay. Here's the deal. This is where when you when you judge to scale, it matters. Alabama's strength of schedule per the net is nine. Purdue is 25. UCLA is 49. Alabama would be in third overall for me right now because the numbers are very even. And strength of schedule, how tough you've played the opponents and what you've done 
does matter. Let me check their strength of records as well real quick here, GP, because this is actually a pretty compelling debate, and it's going to get... Well, this is going to matter a lot once we get to the next few days yeah. because you're talking about geographic preference. Would you rather be a one shipped off to a different region or would you rather on some well, level? That, well, well that, that's, I mean, it's not actually a question for Purdue. Like the selection committee is not going to ask Purdue. Right. But you, if you're Purdue, you could say, you know what? Let UCLA, be, like, let UCLA be the one out West and we'll stay Midwest or, you know, we'll stay in our part of the country as a two seed and we're fine with that. We might get to a situation where either Purdue or Alabama doesn't mind being a two if it means mm -hmm. UCLA is the one in the West and they can stay more geographically sensible. Without a doubt. It's just a matter of what are you preferring here, the travel or the or the advantage to play closer? And then if you're a one seed lower, then, you know, the road gets slightly tougher because you'd rather be a one than a two on balance if the bracket breaks the way you want. And strength the record, Alabama is two right now. UCLA is three. Purdue is four. Kansas is one in strength of record. So I will go Bama three, and then it comes down to UCLA, Purdue, who's going to have it. UCLA right now in strength of record beats Purdue by one. In KPI, Purdue is three. UCLA is seven. In BPI, UCLA is better than Purdue by three spots. It's better than Purdue by four in Ken Palm, and it's better by Purdue than seven spots in Sagarin. The strength of schedule stuff is fairly... It's, it, to me, it's not that drastic. Purdue is 25. UCLA is 49. Non-con-wise... Purdue's 94, UCLA's 102. Right now, what do we say every March? The losses have to matter. The loss matters. UCLA has four losses. Purdue has five. And at this point, UCLA has one more road win than Purdue. Now, Purdue is 4-0 in neutral. UCLA's just 1-2. Some of that is subject to opportunity with scheduling. It is razor thin. I'm with you. I go UCLA as the final one seed, and the Purdue is a firm, strong, best spot in the on the two line overall. In that circumstance, Kansas being the one, it goes to Kansas City. Houston goes to Louisville. Uh, UCLA obviously stays in Vegas. No, Bama, yeah, and then Bama goes to New York City. That's that's it goes to the East, and then Purdue. Uh, as the best two would be shipped off to Louisville in that region. That's how I come down on it. We agree. Alabama in the media capital of the world. I bet that'll go well. Yeah, how about that? As, a, as, a, as an oh, by the way, aside. But I think that's how they would get shipped if it wound up being that way. But let me say this. We are a uh, we, week from now, we're going to have the bracket. That's not, it's going to, something's going to break differently. That's not how it's going to be. But yes, I would have UCLA. It's just, it's six and one half dozen the other. Give me them narrowly right now over Purdue. That was a big time win, avenging the loss to Arizona. One last thing on UCLA. There was some injury news from the game. Jalen Clark um, was backpedaling and then reached for his leg. Um, he was helped to the locker room. He was on crutches after the game. Uh, Mick Cronin said after the game that he would get an MRI done to, on Sunday. Um, as of 7.50 p.m. Eastern, the results of that have not been announced or reported. So we don't know what that is, but like he's an important player. He averages 13.6 rebounds in 30.5 minutes per game. He's the second leading scorer, second leading rebounder on the team. Um, again, we don't know how serious uh, the injury is, but if it is serious, I don't want to say it puts a ceiling on what UCLA can do, but you know, losing a key player at this point in the season is never ideal. I'll, and I'll just add with this. Um, I would not anticipate UCLA to be fully transparent about the nature of that injury because if Jalen Clark, and we don't know, but if Jalen Clark is out for the rest of the season or it's, a, or it's an injury that would debilitate UCLA, that would actually, for me, he might be the best defensive player in the, in the country, 
So I actually think the, the margin between Purdue and UCLA is so thin where if you tell me, oh, you might, you definitely don't have one of the five best defenders in the, in the sport anymore on your team, then I would say, well, then Purdue's the better team and they're going to be the one seed. So UCLA will not, I would not think that it will disclose that. Jalen Clark does mean that much. I think UCLA can actually still get to a Final Four without him. I think it can, but he's extremely valuable and we wait to see any kind of update. Hopefully it's not too serious. We Obviously, don't have that as we speak right now. But thanks for bringing that up, GP. That is a that was a um, an important development over the weekend. I really hope he can go with him on the floor. That's what makes me say UCLA can can win a national championship because he is he is definition of a game changer and a super fun player to watch. There is precedent, by the way, for the committee just saying, you know what, we don't care what your resume is. Um, we, you lost a key player. We're not giving you the seed that your resume deserves. Most famously, it's Cincinnati when it lost Kenyon Martin in the conference tournament, clearly on paper, a one seed. Um, they got made a two, and then they lost early. Um, I think – tell me if I remember this correctly. There was a year where Syracuse had an injury to a key player late, and they just – I don't want to say lied, but misled mm. all the way through Selection Sunday so that it wouldn't hurt them. Yeah. Uh, is it Orenze Anawaku? Yes, I think it was Anawaku. That's a great pull. Look at you. How did I, how did I remember Orenze Anawaku? Yeah, what a pull. Um, I think it was Anawaku, and there was, yeah, there was some uncertainty with that. That's going back a decade. I feel like it was Anawaku. I think, I think you're, you're, you're bang on with that one, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think the, the rationalization, which is just understood, is if you, if you say definitively he's out, they will judge you accordingly. If you say um, he's day-to-day, we still don't know. He may be available for the NCAA tournament, then they have to assume that he might be. And if they assume he might, then you get judged accordingly. So... Yeah, uh, it, it is interesting. Mick did say that the MRI would happen today, but he didn't promise that they would <laughs> announce ever <laughs> what's going on with Jalen Clark. So uh, maybe that does stay a secret through Selection Sunday, although, um, you know, we'll see. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Meantime, Houston extended its winning streak to 11 games on Sunday. Got a 67-65 victory at Memphis. Jamal Shedd buried a a buzzer-beating game winner, but not without controversy inside FedEx Forum. Did he get away with a push-off on Elijah McCadden? If you're watching on YouTube, we'll take a look together. Nada. Roll the tape. Seconds. Shedd driving. Looking up. One second to go for the win. He got it. The Cougars win it. Number one remains number one on a Jamal Shed jumper at the buzzer. Big time onions. 
Okay, let's not debate whether it's a push-off because it's undeniably a push-off. Uh, is it a big enough one? That's the question. I need you to answer it this way. Is it a push-off that should have been called in that moment? Because it's no. definitely a push-off. No. No, no. Can't call I got it. no issue with that. I don't. I don't. Um, by the way, what an upgrade for the Memphis court. I love that court. Oh, That's God. So much like, better. It, yeah. It's, that is, it, that is it's, awesome. Yeah. I, like, I don't even know that I love the current Memphis court. I just know it's, it's not the old one. <laughs> I know. Hey, how about this? So they built a new like massive basketball facility, literally three minutes from my house on a big patch of land. Like, I won't be surprised if we're covering Peach Jam three minutes from my house someday. Oh, hell yeah. Sleepover. Here we go. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Uh, We have a sleepover at my house. Um, The court. Guess what one of the courts is? It's It's the old Memphis court, that blue (laughs) Memphis court, that ugly blue Memphis court is in there. Unbelievable. But it is a it is a major upgrade. It also felt obviously you heard it on the call. CBS Nansen Raft on the call before we even get to the postseason. That was wonderful. It was a minor push off, a really well played game. Memphis would have been a lock. Memphis is probably going to the tournament. I happen to think that if it loses its first American Athletic Conference tournament game, we actually might have to have a discussion if they're going to get into the field. Houston by winning, you know, Nance even said it afterward. Um he told one of the local reporters there, this should lock Houston onto the one line. I'm actually not convinced of that if they were to lose their first American Athletic Conference tournament game and you had a confluence of other events that, uh, that bubbled up. But for the purposes of what we saw here on Sunday, um, really awesome game. I'm sure Kelvin Sampson on some level was happy to see his team pushed in a road environment as they get ready to go into the tournament there because they've, they've run the roost for the most part in that conference this season. And Jamal Shedd, that's a, that's a good, good shot, man. We've had a lot of either near makes or outright makes at the buzzer over the past 72, 96 hours, even go back to last week with Desmond Cambridge Jr. and everyone else. So March is in full bloom. And I just didn't have an issue with the, with the no call. I thought it was, a, it was a really good call. He guarded well, got a little space, wasn't egregious. Bang, buzzer beater. Houston wins. See you in the bracket. It's like the second time in recent years Houston has beaten Memphis at the buzzer. Remember Tremont Mark hit that sh- like long yeah. shot? Yeah. So that's two of those. Memphis, one way or another, usually plays Houston pretty tight even in their past five games against each other i think houston now has a 3-2 edge in those games so i'm i'm with you it was a fun game definitely a push off i don't have any problem with it not getting called there like that that rarely gets called in that situation if you were doing like if you turned it over to you know uh an officiating you know uh, Gene Steratore, like I'm confident they'd say, well, yes, he pushed off. That's an offensive foul, but it just doesn't get called in that moment too often, all the way back to Michael Jordan game six. So um, I don't mind that. I don't, I don't have an issue with it not being called Um, on Memphis. I I think we're at the point where Houston's a lock for a one and Memphis is a lock to make the NCAA tournament right now. Palm has the Tigers as a 10 seed. Uh, That was as of Sunday morning. I can't imagine a buzzer beater loss to the number one, literally the number one team in the country hurts your resume in any way. I mean, if it does, you're just not doing it right. Right. A a bubble team losing to the number one team in the country should not hurt your at the buzzer should not hurt the resume. It doesn't help it. It is a loss. It it doesn't help. It's a loss, but it it should not Here, here. This is among the biggest complaints I have all the time when a bracket expert, regardless of who it is, says this team is on the bubble. I'd have them in the field right now. And then they play the number one team in the country or some similar team and they lose by a point 
or two, and they say, well, that knocks them out of the bracket. Hold up. What are you talking? They were in, but because they couldn't beat literally the best team in the country, they're out. That doesn't make any sense. So no, I, I wouldn't say that. I just think they probably, I think others jumped them in the bubble hierarchy. That's all. Because we had a lot of, we'll get to that. We had a lot of bubble teams get wins over the weekend. So I just think they got nudged down. Yeah. Here's, here's where I, we'll be quick on this. Okay. He has Memphis as a 10 seed as of Sunday morning. I would assume, just assume, but I would assume on Monday morning he will also have Memphis as a 10 seed. Either way, the Tigers are now 9-7 and seven in the first two quadrants with only one loss outside of the first two quadrants. They got quad one wins over Auburn. That's a neutral Texas A&M at home. They do have a quad three loss at the buzzer to Tulane. By the way, five of Memphis's eight losses on the season are by three points or less. Two of them are OT losses. Three of them are buzzer-beating losses. Like this team is super close to being like 26 and five instead of 23 and eight, but whatever. They still appear headed to the NCAA tournament for the second straight year because, like, let me even walk you through it. Worst case scenario, like they're going to play the winner of the 7 10 game in the quarterfinals of the AAC tournament. Um, even if they were to take a quad three loss in the quarterfinals, which would be the most reasonable worst case scenario for them, <laughs> they're still going to be two games above 500 in the first two quadrants with two quadrant one wins. And at that point would have two quadrant three losses for whatever it's worth. The last team Jerry Palm had in the film uh, field on Sunday morning is uh, Michigan. And that Michigan team, even before Sunday afternoon's loss to Indiana was five games under 500 in the first two quadrants with yeah. one additional loss falling in quadrant four. Like if, if, if on this Sunday, five games under 500, in the first two quadrants still gets you in the field, which was the case this morning, according to Jerry Palm, mm -hmm. then Memphis's worst case scenario should still have it in the field on Selection Sunday. So I assume that the, uh, that the Tigers will be in. I don't think on Selection Sunday, regardless of what happens between now and then, that you're going to be able to find 36 better at-large candidates than Memphis. I agree with you. Um, Memphis will play the winner of UCF SMU. If SMU were to beat UCF and then beat Memphis, I just, I, I just think they might sweat a little bit and might be headed toward Dayton. Um, they've got an interesting resume, and weirdly enough, the road win at Vanderbilt continues to age well, and that could be the the thing that really gets them over the edge. But I fully anticipate Memphis to win uh, two games in the American Athletic Conference tournament and, and help its case overall, and, and Penny to get back to the uh, to the NCAA tournament. Since we're on this topic, can I just run you through the bubble winners, losers, before we get to the rest of the results? Sure, sure, sure. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here are the bubble winners from over the weekend. I ran these down on the Friday show. All right. And then take it where you want with any of these teams or any of these takeaways. Auburn, lock, 
Beat Tennessee, quad one win, it's in. No, no doubt about it. West Virginia, now a lock. Beat K-State, quad one win. Both those teams were on their home floors against quad one teams and arguably got their best wins of the season. Congrats to Bruce Pearl's Tigers. Congrats to Bob Huggins' Mountaineers. You're both going to the tournament. Florida Atlantic, as I said earlier, lock. Beat Louisiana Tech on the road, only has three losses. It's a single-digit seed right now. I think I'd have FAU on the seven line when you really dig into that resume. Uh, looking very, very pretty right now. Oklahoma State is not in for sure, but maybe it's they're got a, they got an intriguing resume. We will get to that later in the week, depending on what the Cowboys do. It did get a Q1 win against Texas Tech. We'll get to the Red Raiders in just a minute here, but a had-to-have-it win. They're a bubble winner. Utah State. I think Utah State should be in as of now. Beat Boise State for its first quad one win. Has good metrics. Uh, a very intriguing debate can be built around Utah State's resume and what we would do with that versus, you know, two or three other power conference teams right near the cut line. Um, I would have Utah State in and I would have them in even with a little bit of room to spare after getting the Boise State win. USC won after 1 a.m. on Sunday morning. I stayed up till the very end. I was fading heavy, but I, I watched it until the bitter end beat Arizona State. Trojans are in the field for now, Penn State won at the buzzer over Maryland on Sunday. And in ironic fashion, as many people pointed out on Twitter, Penn State is the worst offensive rebounding team in the country. Actually, it's a pretty good three-point sh- shooting team. Three-pointer misses. Cam Winter, for the second time, saves Penn State, puts it back in, overcomes you know 12-point deficit in the final few minutes there. Humongous. I think Penn State might need to be in the field right now. Vandy, it's not in, but it has built a resume that will deserve a hard look with at least, it's got to get at least one more SEC tournament win. Doors beat Mississippi State. Just keep an eye on Vanderbilt. They're sneaky. A couple wins, and, and we really could have some, uh, some intriguing bubble chaos along the cut line. And then Clemson just kept itself in the conversation by blowing out Notre Dame. Clemson has more work to do. Very polarizing resume. Uh, bubble losers, Mississippi State lost to Vandy. So it's in a vulnerable spot. Nevada is on the outside looking in. You cannot lose at home to UNLV. You might have had a situation here where Utah State Nevada, they just... They flipped on the Mountain West. Uh, Memphis losing at the buzzer is, you know, minimal bubble inclusion, but I felt they were a fringe mention Arizona State because they lost. And then Michigan, shortly before we went live here on Sunday night, Michigan again goes to double OT, had some good opportunities, but, and you and I both think like the idiots we are, we picked this team to make the NCAA tournament when we talked on Friday. I uh, didn't. You know, I thought you did. No, I said they have, I said they have road games at Illinois. I mean, I'm yeah, but I, I thought I thought like you, like me, we both picked Michigan and then we were like, but they're going to lose at Indiana. I thought we both said that. I can't remember what I said. You owe me money. If they lost else, at, they lost in OT at Indiana and then double OT at Illinois. That's the third straight OT game. Tough spot there. And as we speak, there's one more bubble game. You got to explain to these people why we didn't wait on Northwestern versus Rutgers because it's going down right now at Jersey Mike's Arena. Northwestern up 16 to 12. This oh, game live dude, in progress podcast reporting. Dude, are we not live to the people watching? Hey, YouTube. Come on. Do the thing. Hey, exactly. Hey, How about this? YouTube. <laughs> are you going to hey YouTube on TV when there is no YouTube? I think I might. You know, All right, that's what I, I think want. I might. If Northwestern wins this game, it's going to be second in the Big Ten tournament. And if it loses, it's going to be ninth. <laughs> That's, Amazing. That's hilarious. Dude, second versus ninth based on one game. That's all you need to know about the Big Ten. Uh, Rutgers is Northwestern's not the bubble team in this situation. Rutgers is the other bubble team. The only other game I didn't really account for here. Uh, would highly advise, particularly if you listen to our Friday segment when we uh, evaluated those Big Ten resumes, uh, I would have Rutgers unquestionably out of the field if it does lose this home game against Northwestern. That's your bubble recap. 
thoughts, takeaways on any of that stuff, GP? Um, Cam Winter, Winter having back-to-back buzzer beaters is awesome. I mean, he literally might have flipped Penn State's entire season. Like, if he doesn't make those shots, uh, they they they'd be on definitely on the wrong side of the bubble right now. He makes them, and I think they're definitely on the right side of the bubble uh, right now. I know that at some point last week on Inside College Basketball, CBS Sports Network, I said I didn't think Michigan would make the NCAA tournament, but I could have changed my mind by Friday. I think he did, and if he didn't, that's on me. I was wrong, but I thought I thought we agreed to it, but I I could be wrong. Did you mention, and, and you mentioned uh, Penn, uh, Northwestern could be the two seed or the nine, a little bit similar situation, ACC uh, final Saturday of the regular season. Miami could have, I mean, Pitt could have won a share of the ACC title, but because Pitt lost at Miami, Pitt's now the five seed, I believe, in the ACC tournament. Virginia and Miami are co-ACC champs. You mentioned a lot of bubble team. Did you mention bubble team North Carolina? I didn't because I was I was saving. That was the one that was like I figured you might want to get to that on your own little your thing or 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 you know not a you know told us it was going to happen and it did and and well let's uh, I mean if we're talking bubble teams this seems like the appropriate place to talk about North Carolina or maybe or maybe not even maybe not even because what do we describe as a bubble team? It's a team with a realistic shot to still build an at-large resume. Is that more or less the definition of a bubble team? Like you're right there. Is North Carolina still a bubble team? Is there any way North Carolina can get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament now? I think there. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I had to talk about this in studio on HQ on Saturday night. If Carolina, let me bring up this bracket here. If Carolina, because it's got to face Virginia if it moves along, bringing up the brackets. If UNC, and by the way, now I'm going to send this over to you. Put this on the screen for the folks to see. If uh, we're going to have our conference tournament preview episodes just like we did a season ago. So be on the lookout for that. We got them coming for you Monday and Tuesday. ACC regrettably included. So the ACC tournament bracket right now, UNC is the seventh seed. It will need to beat BC or Louisville. Then it will need to beat Virginia. Then it will need to beat most likely Clemson or NC State. To do that, it would be into the ACC title game. If it beats Virginia and then beats Clemson or NC State, and really NC State would be the team you'd prefer at that point, I guess, from a resume perspective. I actually don't know if it would be the difference between quad one or quad two. It would. I looked it up. If you're North Carolina, you now want the only quad one opportunity available to you at that point would be a game with NC State. You need those two. If you get two more quad victories and then you play competitively and lose that Saturday night to say Duke or Miami, then I, I think we can actually debate it, but they have to get to that point. Anything short of that and, and get the hell out of here. So, and I don't think they're going to get there. We're done. Like we're, we're done with this. So we brought leaky black on in the preseason. You see what happened. The podcast went podcast again. Yeah. Honestly, if you're SID, you should never let one of your players come here again. I mean, odds are we will not even invite them or want them, but on the off chance that we do, um, politely reject our 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 request because it is it has gone terribly for North Carolina. Can, can By I the way, something? Caleb Love, three of twelve from the field, oh of six from three. I saw you tweet when he missed his- I said you'd rather have RJ David. It's not even arguable. Anyone that has followed Carolina, particularly Carolina fans, know they've watched over the past two years, with the exception of you know Caleb Love going bonkers last year in the tournament. RJ Davis has been the better big play, big moment player when that has actually you know, materialize for UNC. It's not even close. I agree and with so, you. I agree with you. The problem, of course, is that 
you know who disagrees with you on who should be taking that shot? Caleb Love. Caleb Love. <laughs> Caleb Love is taking that shot. I knew he was taking that shot. <laughs> and it wasn't even close. Three of we I think we both took the over on 30% shooting from the field on Friday's episode. Caleb Love, 25% from the field. I was wrong. He was under. Um, he was as, under. As, it, as you just, so we laid out like worst case scenario for Memphis. Let's lay out best case scenario for North Carolina. And that, that's basically them picking up two quadrant one wins on their way to the championship game. It puts them at nine and 12 in the first two quadrants with three quadrant one wins. Um, lose there. Let's say, because if you win there, conversation's over. You're an automatic qualifier. Lose there. Probably nine and thirteen in the first two quadrants with three quadrant one wins. That might it might maybe maybe I'm not ruling it out. Can we brought can we just for ninety seconds touch on this topic? Because I have not thought about it, but I'm thinking about it in real time since you brought up the uh, the other quad one quad two. How do we feel about bubble teams being multiple games under five hundred in the top two quadrants? Are we uh, are, are we are we okay with that? I, well, I don't you, know. You better be because you can't put a field together I, if you're not. I, you can't, right? You can't I haven't. I haven't together. tallied him up. I'm yeah, talking. Not, I'm not talking 500. I'm not talking one. I'm talking like two or more under 500. I can tell you. I really only go out to around 30 or so, and I can tell you that just about everybody in the top 25 and one every morning is going to be above 500 in the first two quadrants or right at 500 in the first two quadrants. So, like, mm. and you 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 do run at it. You look you like Providence is safely in the field but under 500 in the first two quadrants right now you i, I don't think you providence can... that you know what that resume they got to play uconn first if pc loses just keep an eye that's all i'm saying i'm not saying I, I, they're missing it i'm just saying there's it's shaky so your point on them is well taken yeah i don't i don't think you can i don't think you can build a, a bracket of um what is it 36 at larges I don't think you can get 36 at-larges if you make a rule you have to be 500 in the first two quadrants. Or even one under. But to, to that point... Well, you keep, keep in mind, Jerry Palm did make a bracket, and Michigan, as of this morning, was his last team in, and Michigan, as of this morning, was five games under 500 in the first two quadrants. I can't accept that. I don't accept hey, it. Hey, take There's it up with Jerry no Palm, shot. man. You have his number. Take it yeah, up I with know. Jerry I'm Palm. Not, I'm not ringing up J- Jerry Palm, okay? I'm just saying, if you are five games under 500 in the top two quadrants, I can't justify you being in the field. Utah State is nine and five, comparatively speaking. Memphis, nine and seven. Look at some other teams right now. Like, when you get into this, yeah, even like Illinois safely in, it's, it's nine and 11. I'm telling you. Creighton is nine and ten in the top two quadrants. I was it was an it was an in real time thought experiment out loud. Arkansas is going to the tournament. It's seven and eleven in the top two quadrants. Forget I ever brought this up. This is outrageous. <laughs> this is outrageous. Everybody stinks. Talking about here. Everybody that, stinks except for UCLA. Wow. Kansas. It really is that kind of year. Um, I'll say this as a broad qualifier: if you're if you're more than two games under five hundred in quad one and two, and you have multiple quad three or quad four losses then get out of my face forever i got well, then no you better you better cut the tournament field down to 32 then is that i want to know who's in the field where that applies two or more under 500 in the top two quadrants and they have multiple q3 q4 losses is there someone in the field that applies to that because that i don't think there's would, any justification ever for that i would be i don't think that i don't think that's true out there um, maybe it's providence let me check providence right now providence. what about michigan 
Hold on. Providence is six and nine. One Q3 loss. Doesn't have two. Michigan right now. Michigan. I'm bringing it up. Michigan. Michigan is eight and 14 in the top two quadrants and has one quad four loss. You're done. See ya. They got to win at least two and they might need three Big Ten tournament wins. You cannot justify that. They've had 14, 15 opportunities against quad one and they're three and 12. Get out of my face. I'm sorry. Not in the field. And I don't think they should be even the first four out at this point. There's gonna you you're gonna have teams that I think fit that criteria. Let's see here. Nah. Like uh, all right. Broadly speaking, as you look on this, okay. Particularly, let me bring this up. <laughs> I can. So Charleston. Okay. How about how about you're done with Rutgers then? Because they're nine and nine yeah, and I, well, they're nine and nine, nine yeah. and nine in the first two quadrants, three quadrant, three losses. Yeah, and exactly. That's that's a heavy dose. Charleston right now, strength of record, top forty-five overall. Two and one in quad one and two. Two Q3 losses in great. But I would put Charleston in before Michigan. It's not even a question. Not even a question for me. You're going to have to take this up with Jerry Palm. What do you do with Clemson? I know what I do with Clemson. They lost Clemson right now. You can't Clemson go to the seven and five in the top two quadrants. It's got dude. Clemson has results in all four quadrants. It's four and three in quad one, three and two in quad two, six and two in quad three, and six and nine and two in quad four. It's just not good enough. When you have four combined bad losses and you play in a power conference and none of your metrics are fit are forty five or better, which is the case right now Sunday night with Clemson. Clemson, like Michigan, you need at least two wins. You just do. Don't lose at South Carolina. Don't lose to Loyola Chicago and don't lose by 10 at Louisville. That's why Clemson is where it is. You just simply don't lose by 10 at Louisville. And and you're probably in the field, to be honest. You're probably in the field if that doesn't happen. But it did. And so they're on the outside looking in. Should we transition to the Texas Tech news? Is there anything else from the weekend that we should get to before? Not we do really. That? Like I'm looking. I mean, uh, Alabama and Kansas both lost at Texas A&M and at Texas. I still think they're both projected one seeds right now. Um, so like what is they're both outright power conference champions. It, it, it matters, but, uh, I, you know, I don't, it, it gets them closer to being a two maybe, although I think Kansas is a lot, no matter what. And, and right now they're both still number one seeds. They're both outright conference champions. They just happened to lose their final regular season game. Um, Iowa state snapped a four game losing streak with a 15 point win at Baylor. I don't know that I saw that coming. That was super dude. That was super, super Weird. Baylor laying that egg. TCU no-showed against Oklahoma. Right. Providence got run out of the state by Seton Hall. There was there was heavy, let's just get to the conference tournament energy all around the country this weekend. I think yeah. that's Tennessee fair. dropped to four and six in its past ten with a loss to Auburn. Um, Kentucky, let's give credit. We spent a lot of time talking about Kentucky when they take bad losses. Only yep. fair to mention Kentucky won at Arkansas without Case and Wallace, without Xavier Wheeler. Um, big win for the Wildcats. They really can like control that game from start to finish. Uh, all seriousness, credits to John Calipari and that, and that, and that staff, they did not have a point guard, <laughs> no severe <laughs> Wheeler, no case in Wallace. You go on the road and it was a wild one in terms of like the crowd would look, look like hair on fire. And there was, it was physical. I think there were 52 fouls in that game. Devo Davis got, 
got tossed with a pair of technicals. Musselman almost lost his mind when he thought another five second call that didn't get called. And Calipari goes in and they have turned it around. That is that is genuinely impressive. You and I both sat on this podcast multiple times and expressed our doubt over his ability to get this team's act together. Got it together without Wallace or Wheeler. Are you kidding me? Great job out of Antonio Reeves, who's entering the postseason like one of the 10 best players in the country. And even Jacob Toppin showed up in a big way. That's good stuff out of Kentucky. Maybe they're rounding into form right on time like some of those teams from years past. Texas Tech announced Sunday that it has suspended head coach Mark Adams because of what it described as inappropriate, unacceptable, and racially insensitive comments. According to the school, Adams was encouraging a player presumed to be an African-American player to be more receptive to coaching and referenced Bible verses about workers, teachers, parents, and slaves serving their masters. In other words, what we have here is an old white man in a position of power talking to a young black man about slaves serving their masters as he's trying to convince him to be more coachable. That's going to get you every time. That's going to get you every time. Yes or no, dead leg. Mark Adams will coach another game at Texas Tech, either this season or ever. Mm. I'll say no at this point. The story behind this story is the fact that, and I had two sources talk to me about this a few weeks ago. Uh, Texas Tech, according to the sources I spoke with, uh, certainly quite connected at at that university, it was approaching a point where Texas Tech was so bad and a lot of the players in the locker room were so dejected with Mark Adams that... It, there was a real question over whether um, he would be gone in the middle of the season. At one point, Tech lost eight straight games um, from the end of December into January. They got to 10-10. and 10. They were 0-8 in the Big 12. And then one at LSU in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Then one at home in OT over Iowa State. I'm of the understanding that gave Adams some slack in terms of not, you know, not being not being fired, uh, he does have an expensive buyout, which is how these things go now. But um, with this now, uh, something you know, uh, every damn year perish. Like I remember, it's a different scenario, different action. But I remember when Mike Rice got fired from Rutgers, thinking this is the era. You like you have no excuse to ever behave badly as a head coach. You didn't have an excuse before, but now like. Don't even think that you can get away with this kind of stuff and think that you can hold on to your job. It's not the 1970s. It's not even 1994 anymore. And yet, practically every year, like at least one coach in college basketball, more than that, if you look, look across American sports, like they find themselves in this kind of situation. Like, how are people still not learning to evolve? I, it's, it's super disappointing. Um, and... Apparently, Kirby Hocutt, the athletic director, was alerted last week and there were discussions, but they did let Adams coach in the game over the weekend. Tech lost at home to Oklahoma State. There has been turmoil within the program. And so I I think if you're asking me to say yes or no, so I'm going to answer your question directly. I, I think he has coached his last game at that school. I do, too. I think the suspension is setting the groundwork for termination for cause. Um. How about this? Just spirit of transparency. I was texting with somebody in the industry this morning and like uh, the first thing, one of the first things they texted was, are you hearing Mark Adams is out at Texas tech? 
and they meant out at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I've heard there's problems there, maybe. And then literally 30 minutes later, Texas Tech announces that they've suspended Mark Adams. So this has already been circulating in the industry that Mark Adams really might not get a year three as the head coach of the Red Raiders. Um, you know, like you said, I, I don't even know what's appropriate to talk about and what's not, but we both heard like there's some unusual things that have been going on around that program this season. Um, his son is on staff, Luke Adams, as the director of player development. I've heard that has caused some issues within the program. Um, just it, it's been a as you and I do throughout the season, you, you just get in random conversations with people and it's like, hey, did you hear, have you heard about this? Or, hey, did you hear about that? And constantly this season, people have been saying, do you hear about what happened, what's going on mm-hmm. Mark Adams? And do you hear about this at Texas Tech? There's just always been some little stuff there. You would agree with that assessment, right? I would agree with that. Yes. And so now here we are. And by the way, because I saw some people, obviously Mark Adams thinks this is a good explanation because he like said it publicly when he's trying to explain this. Um, he said, I was just quoting the Bible. Well, like quoting the Bible to justify saying some wild stuff is not a very good rational rationalization. Like, and I say that I'm not even trying to be funny. I'm not. I say this as respectfully as I can say it. Um, not everybody cares what's in the Bible. And so when you just try to say, well, yeah, I said what I said. But, you know, I was just really quoting Bible verses. It's like, okay, but that, you know, you're quoting a book like that ain't you still told a young man he needs to be more coachable because in the Bible, there's verses about, you know, uh, slaves and, and, and their master. What? Like we want, we should all be smart enough. Like at this point, you just don't go there ever, ever under any circumstances. And if you don't understand why you can't, then stop trying to understand it and just say, I don't, maybe I just can't understand it. You know, maybe I just can't understand it. I just know I can't do it. Right. Like, I don't understand everything that I know I can't do. Like, I, I, I don't – I mean, I guess I do understand. You'll get the point. I don't technically understand why I can't play golf in lightning. I mean, but they tell me it's because you might get struck you by understand. lightning. You understand. I mean, I basically understand. But, like, you know, I just say, okay, I don't need to understand all the dynamics between, behind lightning. I just know that, like, when it's out there, you shouldn't be on a golf course. And uh, there are things in life where even – it's just like white people in the N-word. Well, you know, it's in reps. Uh, if you don't understand why you can't say that word, just trust us when we tell you you don't need to understand it, but you just can't do it. Just just you can't do it. Uh, Hitler jokes. Eh, just stay away from them. You know, just stay away from them. Uh, and, and yeah, t- talking to a, again, presumably African-American basketball player and telling him he needs to be more, more or less, he needs to be more like the uh, slave. And uh, while I'm more like the master, well, that's uh, yeah, that's going to get you. He's I think he's done there. Now, let me ask you what this other person asked me this morning. Mm. You think Chris Beer could go back? Mm. I don't. Come on, man. No, I don't think so either. You're going to you're going to no for many reasons. Don't even need to dive into it. But that uh, that that thought will permeate around college hoops if and when Adams actually if, if he if he does. Uh, wind up leaving Texas Tech and that, that, those ties get severed. Uh, that will be out there, but you will you will be able to find highly qualified candidates willing to take that job that don't carry 
the baggage and history that Chris Beard does. Yeah, I, I don't think it, it's going to happen either. Um, but I, I would love for it to happen, not because I think Chris Beard deserves a second chance or any of that stuff, simply because it would be hilarious to watch the same Texas Tech fans who spent the past two years trashing Chris Beard have to turn around and then embrace the guy again. Like it would just be that'd be fun to watch. It'd be that's just yeah, that'd be super awkward. <laughs> yes, yeah. I don't just, think uh, I don't think that happens. I think Texas Tech is looking for a new coach uh, shortly after the end of this season, or whenever their lawyers tell you they can start after termination for cause, mm. and then they'll uh, you know they'll find somebody because that's a is it a good job? It's a Big Twelve it's, job. It's a solid job. It's a solid. I mean, it's, job. it's 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 better than it was ten years ago. It is in better standing, but it's not it's not in the top half of the of the Big Six. I wouldn't I wouldn't say, but it's it's got you know allegedly some pretty solid facilities and the fan base when it gets engaged, it's awesome. But it's a good job, but it's not. I wouldn't. It's not in the top half of that. I mean, the, the, I mean, for it's it is a job that somebody left for Memphis not too long ago. Yeah, like that should tell you something. But I think that was more of a lifestyle thing with Tubby Smith and his wife. I think they didn't want to, I don't want to speak for Tubby, but I, I think they like the idea of living in Memphis more than they like the idea of living, living in, in Lubbock, Texas. That's, that's at least what I was told. Um, looking ahead. Like, like you've noted, we're going to have conference previews on the six big conferences, the power five plus the big East. We're going to be doing those over the next couple of days. So we'll get to those conference tournaments when we get to those episodes. I guess the biggest thing coming up that's already like on tap and ready to go, West Coast Conference Tournament semifinals set for Monday, BYU versus St. Mary's. It's another us versus them uh, situation. Do we have actually, do we have reports in from Araga on their stance? I don't think there's any doubt that randy bennett is one of us uh, all right i i don't I, I can't i need more precincts to report i don't know i don't all right i don't think there's any doubt that randy bennett is one of us i'll ask him if you want me to i need you to but i'm certain he is okay. so we've got a us versus them situation west coast conference tournament semifinals byu in las vegas that's always a tricky situation it is you know it is. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Where's BYU staying right now? The Orleans? I don't even know. They, I, they, they're, they're not they, getting the Orleans, boy. It gets wild down at the, I don't know. At the Orleans. Orleans. Yeah, it's the Orleans, not the Orleans. That's right. I think they've actually got like a strip club right across the street from the Orleans. You think or, or no? Anyway, I, San Francisco is going to play Gonzaga. I know I, think it, I know I think that. I think okay. if you got on Google Maps and did Orleans and then tried to get directions to a strip club, they would say, just walk straight across the street. Okay. I think that's what it would say. So I wouldn't, if I were BYU, that's not where I would be. I'd be out at the, I'd be out at Foothill. Yeah, you would. I'd be way out there near Foothill High School. Then we got San Francisco against Gonzaga. <laughs> How'd you say that? Gonzaga. Gonzaga. <laughs> no, no. I, I look like uh, the start of that might have tripped. I, I, you know, do, you, do you ever notice people associated with Gonzaga say Gonzaga differently than the rest of us? They put a real emphasis on the gone, G O N. Yeah, like Gonzaga. Like if you hear Mark Few yeah. and Tommy Lloyd say Gonzaga. Yeah, they, yeah. They say, it yeah. they say it differently than we say it. There's a real emphasis on the G O N. Yeah. Whenever you do, it's gone. not Zaga. Like it's not gone. Zaga. But not the Zaga. Most so of us say gun. Gonzaga. Gonzaga, yeah. 
they they really put an emphasis on the gong. Gonzaga, yeah, yeah, and it's like a it's like um how Dave Chappelle says Kanye West differently than the rest of us. Like we say Kanye, and Dave Chappelle says Kanye. It's a little bit like the way Tommy Lloyd and Mark Few say Gonzaga. So in fact, it's, I've been t- Tommy Lloyd and Mark Few are the Dave Chappelle of college basketball coaching when it comes to the way they say um, specific words. That's the point I'm trying to make. You got you got there some way somehow. We're also going to have two more auto bids on Monday, so the Sun Belt title game will tip at seven Eastern on ESPN two, and the SoCon title game tips at seven Eastern on ESPN. Uh, Furman won earlier today, and then what was the other winner? SoCon Chattanooga Wofford. Is that game that game still ongoing? Not even done yet. So Furman will be favored versus the winner of Chattanooga Wofford and then uh, some belt tournament uh, championship you're looking at those games are still not finished as we, as we wrap here, we got Texas state versus Louisiana later tonight. So there will be two more auto bids handed out on Tuesday on, uh, on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we've got the colonial, the horizon league. Uh, the NEC has already decided. We talked about that earlier, the summit league, and then the West coast. Now, a lot of these, conferences still need to finish out games on Sunday and then Monday. So we don't have the matchups for those yet, but point is by the time Wednesday morning gets here, we will have six more auto bids into the field as we slowly, but surely uh, build out there. I do enjoy what the WCC has done. It used to be Sunday, Monday, but why not just give them the, the bump it back one more day. This means, you know, Gonzaga in particular is why they did this. Um, you just have one fewer day to sit around and wait for to start playing the NCAA tournament. So we'll see if it's Gonzaga versus St. Mary's. If Gonzaga beats St. Mary's outside chance, if things break the right way, it could be the final two seed outside chance. Oh, I Maybe. think there's a chance. I think there's a chance Gonzaga could get there. If you really look at what they've done and they beat St. Mary's again and they do it like definitively, just keep an eye. Um, They're pretty intriguing. And then on Tuesday, I don't know if you have that. Just might as well mention the ACC tournament technically gets going on Tuesday. Now the, 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 it's not going to be the most appetizing things out there. Notre Dame, uh, Virginia tech, Georgia tech, Florida state, um, Louisville's in Louisville plays Boston college. I guess that's the other matchup there. So you got that in addition to, just a litany of other conference tournaments that are getting underway on Monday and Tuesday. Um, some breaking news from our friend John Rothstein just now. He is reporting Zach Fremantle done for the year. Not coming back That's for Xavier. Done for the year? Out for the remainder of the season. That's 15 points, eight rebounds a game. Gone. Had not played since January 28th. But if I remember correctly, you broke this news. I did. That he was going to be out. And the information at the time, not that, not to question your point, like it was literally from Sean Miller's mouth. Sean Miller told you uh, that they expected to have him back maybe by the end of the regular season. Uh, if not, then probably by the Big East tournament. But they've now just said, uh, nope, done, done, done. Mm, okay. That's intriguing because one, Xavier without Zach Fremantle is not the team that it is with him. Uh, they just don't have as much dynamism on offense and, and firepower. Uh, they've done well without him, but that like, I actually think a healthy Fremantle on Xavier makes the Musketeers like a fun long shot for a final four. And now uh, you will not talk me into any scenario where that happens. Well, I wouldn't even um, try. And Miller previously said 
that he would he was on pace to be healthy enough to return by the Big East tournament it, it, as long as it went the way the doctors were were going with it. Now we're doing this in real time here, but Rostin also tweeted Saturday morning. He tweeted Saturday morning Fremantle had been cleared to return and would be a game time decision. <laughs> so we have gone from and listen, on my end of it, I'll just say like at the time I just didn't feel like it was it was one source and I didn't feel like it was worth reporting. I was told that is that Fremantle was not going to be playing on, on Saturday and he did not play. Um, but we have gone from that cleared to play game time decision to out for the remainder of the season and Fremantle's got a stress reaction. So um, yeah, that is uh, that is something to to keep in mind as we as we go to the Big East tournament. Uh, I don't have the bracket up in front of me, but I'm pretty sure Xavier is the two seed in that bracket. So that's not great news for the Musketeers. Looks like uh, one more. Yep. Okay. Here I'm. I'm hearing it right here. All right. He's going to have surgery. That's why he's done. So what? What is going on right now? Okay. He must have tried to give it a go. And there was still enough pain, and then they they gave it another look. I actually like doing uh, de- dealing with the breaking news here uh, live on the pod. But yeah, that is man, that's that that is a real bummer here for uh, for Xavier uh, to not have Fremantle available. And so that, hey, they'll have to adjust. It's been a good year in year one for Sean Miller. They have they have overachieved versus expectations, and now just see if you can catch a little bit of magic in Manhattan, and then. Um, you get seated where you get seated and, and make the most of it. If, if Xavier fans would have taken a tournament appearance and one win in the tournament at the beginning of the year, and I still think that team's capable of doing that. Um, yeah, uh, I think definitely capable of a, of a win uh, in the tournament just based on the seed they'll probably get. It's going to put them in a game that is winnable, but obviously this is a big blow when you think you're going to have this guy and then he's not available. Still, like you said, you're one, Sean Miller, good season. If you're talking about guys in the first year at new jobs doing well that list is jerome tang at kansas state sean miller at xavier dennis gates at missouri chris jans at mississippi state are those the four best among the four best yes by the way um nada says apparently saint mary's is of them in our in our side chat here so what yeah i'm just letting you know it's a them versus them situation them on them in Vegas, of all spots. I can't believe you'd go all the way to Vegas just to hang out with another them. Yep. You know, I'd just stay home. Shame. I was going to hang out it's with a bunch the of them. <laughs> the <buddy system. laughs> they, they sit around and um, they, they, it, they provide. Uh, <laughs> like when somebody starts, to, it's like having a sponsor. Like when you start to slip up a little bit, you just surround yourself with other people. You can tell you, no, 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 don't. Don't give in. Stay strong. I know there's a strip club right across the street from the Orleans, but just stay strong. The llama whisper was in the comments. Said yeah, that, he was. Said that the, he doesn't think there's a strip club right across the street from the Orleans. Uh, okay. There's one near there. I, I am not surprised that our commentariat has Intel immediate <laughs> to, to, to send back to us. There's um, got to be one near there. Hey, real we quick, get out of here. I yeah. feel like JP's getting ready to roll it, but I do want to say, um, a reminder, if you missed Friday's show, we are going to be on CBS Sports Network, the podcast, on Tuesday and Wednesday at 4 Eastern, CBS Sports Network, hour-long show. The clips will also post to YouTube. I guess it's to be determined if these things are actually going to be in the podcast feed. That's not up to GP and I, 
But I well, think they have to be. We got to figure that out. It would be crazy to talk on television on the podcast and not have it in podcast form. You, you want to know what's crazy? Nada, bring up. You got this graphic for me, Nada. Bring this up. What are we doing here? What is this? Okay. Look how tall I am. Yeah, you're like six one in this photo. Yep. Okay. I yep. understand they wanted to do you a little bit of a solid here and keep mm-hmm. us relatively even height. I mean, you're either six one or they're dropping me down to five seven. This ain't cool. Like this yeah. is not what it is. You are on. You are on a fruit crate in this moment. I was literally standing on a box. That's true. Yeah, but when you stood on the box, you still weren't even that tall. They photoshopped you. They gave you another four inches. Well, I feel like I deserve it. You know what? You do. You do. You know what? You did. I feel like if anybody deserves another four inches, it's me. You know? Feel like you really got to get all of this out before we go on television Tuesday at 4 Eastern. Oh, I didn't even mean it like that. I meant it sincerely. Like I would like to be six foot tall. I wish I was a little bit taller. Every time I stand I on a I box and I realize, you know what? Like this is what, how tall this is what the world would look like if I were like six foot six. I do I that. Just, I do that to my to my youngest son. I did it all of like three or four days ago. I lifted him up. I put him above my head. I was like, how's it feel to be this high? Should I try that with you? Should I just lift you up? And be like, hey, how's it you feel? Should, up you should lift me up. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, this like I'm not even joking. I, I stand on a box and it like, let's say it's a uh, it's you know, whatever. It's a box that's going to get me to around what sick my I, I'm sick. I am. I am standing nose to nose with a man who is six foot six. Do you know how different the world? Everything looks up there. I do. It's crazy. Yeah, you guys right. see things that I can't I've never seen before. It's it's a whole new world. I don't even see stuff sometimes because I'm way down here. A new fantastic point of view. We will have conference tournament previews in the feed for you Monday and Tuesday. And listen, we we know you love us, or at least you say you do, and we're going to believe you on that. But in an effort to not like completely over you, overload you with our voices for every single episode, we are going to bring some buddies of the podcast in, and they're going to be short, quick episodes, a few different voices. Plus, GP and I, we do have a we got a lot we got a lot of work to do as well. In addition to the pod, so um, you'll get a nice variety of me and GP and uh, good friends of the pod. So be on the lookout for that over the next 48 hours or so. Okay, before we get out of here, one more yeah. thing, and it's non-basketball. So if you hate non-basketball stuff, just turn it off. I don't care. Okay, I have no idea where you're going with this. I, I mentioned the Chris Rock new special last night, and uh, I watched it. I, I think a lot of people did. It was uh, like live on Netflix. It wasn't like he taped it two weeks ago, and the, right. it was live on Netflix, 9 o'clock Central. I did not watch Central. a second of it. I think I was aware it was happening, but I the re- was not. Okay, the reason I bring it up is because uh, Nada has been tweeting about it. Oh, and okay. I, I I don't even know what the controversy... I, I don't even know. I don't even take the time to figure out what the controversy is. But Nada seems to... Uh, uh, be aware of what what's the issue what are people mad about chris rock's uh hour of television saturday night nana of course they're mad what are they mad about tell me what they're mad mad. about i don't even know yeah they're mad specifically about the seven minute part with will smith and jada pinkett specifically how it seemed to be a little bit more aimed towards jada than will why would anybody be mad about that it's the internet People are crazy. Um, by the way, that whole that whole hour, but Nadia, did you think it was good, excellent, bad, okay? What did you think? It's okay. Like of the specials, it might be the worst one, but even then, it's Chris Rock, so it was going to be above average for most comedians. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. It, it, by the way, it was the same hour, ten minutes that he did uh, in Memphis. Okay, so ago. you saw. So I, when I'd you... seen it. I, he had, okay, he, had, got it. he had changed up the jokes a little bit. Um, the the 
it clearly he had saved the Will Jada stuff for the end of this one. It was more toward the end when we saw it live as opposed to the very end. And he had some more jokes that he cut out. Like um, the way he ended it on Saturday night was by saying, and people asking me, why didn't you fight back? And he says, uh, because I have parents because I was raised because my parents told me, don't taught me not to fight in front of white people. When he did it live in Memphis, he, he added onto that. He said, I can't fight in front of Steven Spielberg. I'm still trying to get cast in ET two. <laughs> so, so it was switched up a little bit, but it was largely the same set. I thought it was good. And I, I like, um, I, I think anything, once a man jumps on stage at the Oscars and slaps you like that, everything's on the table. You can take it wherever you want to take it. You can take it at his wife. You can take it at him. And it's all stand-up comedy. I, I got a real like real issue in recent years with people getting upset over what stand-up comedians say. Like I get stand-up comedians who act inappropriately, like Louis C.K. Do with him whatever you want to do with him. But the idea that you're just getting offended by jokes – like we, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like if you don't like the jokes, don't watch it. And if you're offended by the jokes, just remember they're just jokes. Relax. Turkey's wings in the chat. GP deserves another four inches eggplant emoji. Sounds like a joke to me. Hootie hoo! <laughs> Hootie hoo! Hashtag bone. Build, organize, nourish, and electrify. Oh, you remembered it. I thought you might. I thought that E might have had you tripped up. I'll never forget it now. I'll always right. know what bone stands for. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. I own College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars. Nice reviews. Over at Apple, we got to have uh, reviews that... Re- reflect the reality the fact that there is more of us than there are of them disappointed to hear st mary's might be of them that's a little deflating but you know maybe goes hand in hand with being computer trickers you're finally putting it all together maybe i'm connecting some dots here you know maybe i'm connecting some dots there is more of us than there are of them like norlander said we got as of right now we have two one-hour shows starting at 4 p.m as of now it it could it it could be we might have a meeting tomorrow and they say you know what this is a bad idea yeah yeah. (laughs) this is not very much out there this is not a good idea this is not a good idea but as of right now wait for us to have to hit the hard outs for the commercials that's going to be an adventure Baby, I've been doing it for years. I know that's the thing. Is you actually you're gonna know, see me you know go doing. video host mode. This is it's gonna that's be tough. You guys yeah. ain't even gonna recognize me Tuesday. No, nope. you're not even gonna recognize. I'm gonna get us in and out of the breaks. I'm gonna be on time. You're not even gonna know what you're watching. Not even gonna seem the same. We'll talk to you. Conference previews Monday, the very latest Tuesday at four o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Till then. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.